everyone and a really warm welcome to The Human Source, a podcast for HR professionals and business owners and managers interested in what's going on in the world of people and culture. I'm Steph Kelly, Chief People Officer at Iris Software, and I'm joined again by my wonderful colleague, Steph Coward, Managing Director of our Human Capital Management Division. This is turning into a bit of a double act, isn't it, Steph? <laughs> yes, it is, Steph. And uh, hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening. I think today uh, we're going to explore how to keep working relationships happy, productive and long lasting. Uh, a really difficult topic, I know, uh, and perhaps um, got lots of different opinions and views and ideas from different people with different perceptions on this. But what we wanted to try and talk about and share our insights on is how you can put in place a culture that encourages your managers to develop personalization and a real sense of connection with their teams. And perhaps most importantly is how do you develop that commitment culture by measuring what matters. It's quite a simple formula and it's something that's worked really well for us. We hope that what we share today will help you evaluate the merits of what you currently do in the area of people and performance management and find areas for improvement. The talent market is undoubtedly tough at the moment, so it's a no-brainer for all employers to reflect on how they nurture and develop the talent they have and look to make tweaks and improvements. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's so important, especially now in such a geographically diverse way of working where we've got teams all over in different locations, some working from home, some working in an office, some working in a completely different geography and a trend now as well to the propensity to flatten organisational structures. So we do find now that we've got wider uh, spans in our in our organisations, uh, quite rightly so. We don't want too deeper level of layers between the uh, senior members of our team and, and the people on the ground. But it does mean, though, that we do perhaps need to rethink how we connect and engage, particularly when we have these much larger teams who we just don't see and bump into every day over the coffee machine. We've got to try and find that way to connect. Yeah, completely agree, Steph. I mean, it's incredible now if we like look back two and a half years ago, and we were all just you know getting in the car, driving around the M25 or whatever motorways near, near to you going into the office, you know, doing your thing, going home again. And now, you know, the majority of people who can work from home because they're in an occupation that allows them to do that really want to work from home or at least work in a hybrid fashion, which raises all these types of questions about how do you keep your business super productive? You know, what are the kind of tips and techniques for that? And also, how do you keep your business and the people in the business super connected so that you still got that really strong culture that are binding people together? And allowing them, as you said previously, to have this kind of commitment culture where people go to work every day at home, probably, but still giving 110% of their discretionary effort. Yeah, it's such an impact on our business, isn't it? That how do you take and ensure that that culture that probably would have been um, something that is just not seen, but just just happened when everyone was in the office? How do we now make sure that happens with all these different ways that people are, are working? Um, and I think for us, it's formed such an important part now of our of, of our strategy going forward. I think I think during the pandemic, you know, the focus was on, gosh, let's get people working at home. When the pandemic ended, it was, gosh, how do we get people back to the office? And I don't think we ever really thought about 
the fact that the new world is that although some folks do like going into the office, the majority of people will prefer to actually work from home um, most of the time. So this concept of hybrid working that I think we all thought was somehow going to happen where everybody was going to be in the office two or three days a week and home two days. For, from our um, experience, it's, it's really just not happened. Pretty much people will probably either want to work from home most of the time, perhaps go in the office the odd day here and there, or they prefer to be office-based. And I think we now need to really think about, well, how do we how do we make sure that our culture, culture really filters through now, given that we have got such a large base of our team remote from us as managers? Yeah, great question. And one of the things I was asked yesterday that kind of I was pondering on was, can HR be done at home? Because of course, HR is a, you know, people to people, traditionally face to face occupation. And I thought about it. And I thought, absolutely, it can. Because if you think of the purpose of HR, what we're in the business of achieving, and that basically is supporting the business to make sure that the business has defined its strategy, is very clear on its objectives and goals, and then have got the right people in the business with the right skills and the right mindsets and you know that kind of go-getting commitment attitude that means that that business is going to beat the competition. So HR absolutely can be done at home. But it comes back again to the question that we're talking about here is how do we maintain productivity in this new world of working and how do we get a commitment culture? And one of the things we might want to touch on, Steph, is the way that we have rolled out the OKR uh, system and process across Iris. I don't know if you want to mention something about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So OKR, so our objectives and key results is what that stands for. Um, and uh, it's a it's a very successful technique um, that's been used in other businesses that, that we're also using and it links back to what we talked about at the top of the conversation around measuring what matters so this is absolutely what is it in your business that really will make a difference uh, so we started at the beginning of the year and across each of our areas of our business we thought really long and hard about so we, we know what our overall strategy is for Iris, but exactly how do we in the in each areas of the business, how do we contribute to achieving that strategy? What what would that objective be? And most importantly, how do we know when we've been successful? So what is the result that we're looking for and what is it that we're going to measure to say, yeah, absolutely, that that objective was met and it really made a difference in achieving our overall company goals. So we did that as a management team and then those uh, OKRs were then rolled out and uh, cascaded throughout our organisation and then became to form part of uh, right the way down to individuals, um, objectives and performance development measures. And um, it sounds like a relatively simple thing to do and, and to be honest, it, it really is. The key thing right at the start is measuring what matters. And the thing to do is to understand and work out what it is that matters to your organisation that will directly then link to the achievement of your overall business objectives. And when we did that, obviously, you know, we have a set of financial performance, we have a set of financial indicators, and absolutely it's so important to make sure that we achieve those. Um, but we also did, um, you know, we gave ourselves a challenge to be to be ambitious, to be outrageous, if you like, in terms of what it is that we wanted to achieve so not just thinking about well what do we think is possible but what do we what would we have thought maybe wasn't possible let's strive for that and some of those types of objectives probably were more around the softer uh, side of our of you might you may consider around a business which is culture 
and developing a commitment culture? Because how do you measure that? How, how do you measure whether the culture you've got truly demonstrates that your employees and your managers feel completely committed to your organisation? And one of the things that we've started to think about is using... Uh, so once we've got those objectives, how do we actually measure them? And I think, Steph, one of the things you and I talk a lot about is the traditional way of objective setting and then how people are measured against those objectives. And it's, it doesn't always get it doesn't always get great feedback, does it? <laughs> oh, wow. We're straying now into the, um, the kind of thorny topic of performance reviews and, and what's kind of, you know, on trend in performance reviews. Um, which I do, of course, have some um, thoughts on. Um, just to go back briefly to our OKR process, just for some kind of like practical uh, um, discussion around what we actually did, just a, a few more practical um, tips, really. Um, so we had four very ambitious top level uh, goals of the business. And then we went to the functions in the business. You know, what are the things that you need to do if you, you know, if you could only do two or three things? What are the things that you you do in your organisation which means that we are going to absolutely bust those objectives and, you know, really knock those out of the park because it's about measure what matters, as you say, Steph. And also for me, which answers the second point of your question is do what matters. And again, I, I do love a bit of Newsnight. So watching Newsnight last night and they have all these bar charts of, you know, what's happening to the economy. Uh, one of the um, charts was about productivity and I always see these charts about productivity and how the UK lags behind other economies on productivity and I'm always sitting there thinking what can I do to make sure my organisation is not one of those organisations where it's lagging behind on uh, productivity which leads us on to what we were saying uh, about performance reviews and a couple of years ago I you know I've tried so many ways as head of HR to do performance reviews and come up with systems and stuff and a couple of years ago I thought right I, I need to absolutely spend I don't know a month thinking about this and nothing about this because it is actually really really important because it does have such an impact on productivity and as a result of that I kind of ripped everything up and came down to a very simple process which really just concentrates on the dialogue between uh, the employee and the manager. It's very simple. It's what does that employee need to do on a quarterly basis? So we're back to very simple quarterly objectives, which link back to our OKRs. And then a conversation about, you know, how happy that employee is, you know, how they feel that, that they're developing in their career, what personal goals and ambitions they have, and what we can do to support them to achieve their work objectives, but also importantly, to achieve their personal goals and ambitions. And when you do that, you know, someone's going to look at you and think, okay, I understand you're paying me good money to do my job well. And I want to do my job well. No one wants to go to work not to do their job well. But also this employer cares about me as, as a person and where I want to go in my career. And they want me to succeed. And that will really help build a commitment culture. Yeah, no, I, t I totally agree. I, th I think for me, the old traditional way of setting objectives, for me, it's a very backward looking activity. So you're kind of looking back as to what happened, could be up to a year ago, you remember the kind of annual performance appraisals, um, you know, you could be talking about something that happened a year ago. And I think we all know that in, in modern times, you know, two, two, two weeks is a long time in business, never mind two months or a year. And I think what I love about OKRs is it's a forward looking um, measure it's saying well these are this is where we're trying to get to how are we progressing against achieving that uh, that audacious ambition um, that I talked about before so I, th I think from my perspective I think if we can absolutely make sure that our our employees really understand where where they fit 
um, what the what the output of what they're doing is and how that helps us achieve those things that matter to our business and that we're always looking forward saying well how yeah absolutely important to say how things have gone but more important to say what we're going to do different and I know in Iris we have a, a great a great activity that we do all the time which is say which is to say for individuals what should what should we continue to do what should we start doing and what should we stop doing and I, lo- I love that as a way to engage in conversation um, with our staff so I think I think one when we're considering about uh, measuring performance and we're considering about how we do that effectively I, th- I think as businesses we could really learn a lot from our education system so you often hear on the news such an amount of uh, effort and influence into how we're measuring schools. Um, so in, in the world of education, for a school to be considered as high achieving, interestingly, it's not necessarily the results of their students um, having lots of great you know, A stars and A's that is what counts. It's actually progression. So a school that may have you know uh, 80% of students get an A to C grade and then the next year 80% of students get an A to C grade and it continues like that you know that sounds pretty good doesn't it 80% but um, they've not shown any progression whereas a school that might have had 50% A to C grades um, then the next year shows 60% 70% just shows an incredible amount of of progression within that within that school which shows that they're taking those people they're taking those pupils and they're helping them develop and achieve and progress within their within their learning environment and I think we can take a lot from that in business and think about how is it that we are measuring progression and people's development and the traditional uh, objective setting uh, way we tended to do things for me was a bit of a kind of pass or fail type way of doing things is did you achieve the objectives or not and when sometimes what we're really looking for is how people have progressed in their career, both kind of from a you know maybe technical expertise, but also in how are they progressing in demonstrating the values and culture of your business? And how, how is it that they're then collaborating and de- demonstrating that in the interactions that they have at work with, with other employees? So that might be something for us to think about um, as we go forward is, is looking forward using the kind of OKR's way of measuring what matters but also, perhaps more importantly, measuring progression. What, what's your thoughts on that, Steph? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, one of the little phrases I love is personal best. So in your school uh, analogy there, it's, you know, the personal best of that school every single year um, and of those pupils. And, and it's exactly the same at work, right? Um, one of the things that I have learned working in a software company is how brilliant agile development is. And basically, that is, uh, you know, all about, you know, doing the process the first time around, you know, quickly, minimum lovable product, getting something that does the kind of basics and then learning and then reading it again and getting better and better and better. Obviously, I'm super simplifying it here. Uh, but it also has the other things that you were, you were talking about there, Steph, in terms of the collaboration and everyone's obligation. If you build the right culture, then everyone feels obligated that's probably the wrong word but everyone wants to help everyone else succeed and that is the root of a learning organization you're sharing your knowledge across the business so your personal best is improved because someone has helped you and you've improved someone else to their personal best and if everyone's achieving the personal best and doing the right things and the things that are going to make the business succeed then you know the world is the business's oyster no, absolutely. I think that's a really fabulous analogy, actually, to the um, agile development. So you do something, you try it, you see if it works. If it doesn't work, you drop it and you try something else. 
and it links to me that this this idea that really to get to build this sort of commitment culture and build great performance management in a, in a business is you, is individual feedback you know at the right time so the the concept of let's have a quarterly performance review where you know there's an hour in your diary specifically to to talk about performance it's it's perhaps you know i, I think it's important that we do document that and I, 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 I don't think that that's necessarily um a bad thing but for me it's having that constant feedback all the time so and and in real time so if you've done you know if something's happened and it's you've seen some great examples of the demonstrating culture or some progression in expertise or you know hey that was just a really you know your contribution in that particular meeting was just really excellent let's give that feedback there and then and conversely um i think sometimes we are um I don't think we enjoy giving feedback, um, which can be is negative. And I think perhaps sometimes it can get to a crisis point where somebody's not understood that they weren't performing and behaving the way that was required of them, and it comes as a bit of a surprise at the kind of quarterly review that that they've not been performing in the way that the company or their manager needed them to. So again, I think I think to help improve performance, I don't think anyone ever comes to work to do a bad job. You know, and there are there may be people who are, you know, great, have a great set of skills, but they're just in the wrong role. And I think if you can have that continuous feedback loop, you know, then one, you're then supporting that individual in terms of giving them real time feedback for them to work on and think about. And also as also as a business, ensuring that you're not waiting three, four, 12 months um, with someone in a role where they can't be successful. Yeah, completely agree. When Whenever I leave a job, and I normally stay at companies six years, or at least another two years here at Iris, um, I always take some time to get a bit of paper and write down uh, what I would do differently next time and, and the things that I would do the same. And quite early on in my career, after, you know, quite a, quite a big job, I sat down with my piece of paper and I actually wrote, the thing that I would do differently next time is concentrate right out of the gate in my next job on manager training and helping managers be the very best managers they can be because it is so difficult to have some of these conversations right but it's absolutely the right thing to do and it's more than ever in this you know you know, different generations coming into the workforce, people are expecting this feedback. So you do have to skill yourself up to have these difficult conversations. So completely agree with everything you say, Steph. And, and sometimes managers will say to me, you know, thank you for, you know, coaching me or, you know, insisting that I had this difficult conversation because now I've actually got it off my chest. Everyone feels better. No, absolutely. And I think what people are looking for is, you know, for to be respected and to be treated as grown-ups and I, I, th- I think what importantly for us that's exactly right you know we, we treat people as professionals we treat them as adults um, and that we are able to have those open and honest conversations so I suppose I suppose Steph that um, bring, trying to bring all this back together leads us on to one of our favourite topics uh, which is how we empower and help our managers to be able to encourage and develop develop their teams in this kind of new remote world where we you know we are asking them to perhaps do things that they don't necessarily feel so comfortable with in the way they share feedback and moving to this constant feed feedback loop and using that kind of agile way of uh, going about things what are your thoughts on and how we help those managers to be able to do that yeah so my thoughts on this are that there are some brilliant pieces of tech out there now that can really help managers uh, measure their impact on how engaged their staff are. So we we have a piece of tech 
which means that we survey our employees with the same 12 or 13 questions every month. And the feedback is anonymous, but the feedback goes back directly to the manager. And then the manager gets the sc- a score about how engaged their staff are. And, you know, so you've got the data, you can, you know, really see the impact of what you've been doing and how you can support your staff more. And of course, we don't just give this to the manager, we give them the information because, you know, it's such valuable data, isn't it? But then we also give them tons and tons of support to um, give them the skills to improve their score. Um, so yeah, that, that I would I would definitely suggest a bit of tech, always suggest manager training and also coaching, of course, as well. And I think we can lead by example, can't we, Steph, in terms of how we, as we as senior managers and how, how, how we are behaving and how we are feeding back and, and being transparent um, in our thoughts and views on, uh, on, our, on our own teams. I, I, I absolutely love the employee engagement tools that we use. It's great. It's, it's anonymous feedback. Um, so it just takes the emotion out of it. Uh, I think it allows you as a manager to look, you know, uh, in, and understand that this is how someone feels and that's as, that's valid. Um, if that's how they feel, that's how they feel. And I think it certainly gives you as a manager some great tools to be able to understand where to focus your attentions and kind of where you maybe need to do things differently or I think sometimes as well it just gives you great insights um, into uh, with feedback that you just simply weren't aware of and without asking the questions and um, you wouldn't know so like you know that probably leads us probably to our final point which is remember to ask questions I, I've, I've heard a few times um, recently about asking questions and that being so important and rather than assuming um, we know and understand uh, how our teams are feeling yeah completely agree Steph some great advice there I think communication absolutely is the key and and all these you know kind of regular check-ins and everyday conversations they're all really really important I think we should uh you know there's no doubt at the moment that employees are absolutely in the driving seat and we have to listen we have to be providing uh, really interesting jobs you know chances to learn and grow a uh, chance for people to feel that their their work is contributing not only to the success of the organization but to the to making the world a better place lots and lots uh, for us to think and do to make sure that we do drive and build a commitment culture but i do think as you say listening is really key to almost everything in that regard um absolutely i'm building on that a huge thank you from us for listening in today We do have a number of other podcasts on our channel, so I'm hoping you found this valuable. If you did, please hit the button to subscribe and don't forget to seek us out on all the usual social media platforms. So that's a goodbye from me, Steph C. And a goodbye from me, Steph K.